soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. It's not because he can't, which means there's a bigger lesson in a bigger picture. And if you think about how frustrated you might be with things going on right now, Pastor Chuck used to say this a lot, big God, little problem, or little God, big problem. And he used to talk on a personal level that if, if you want to defend yourself or avenge yourself or vilify yourself, you can, but isn't it better to let God do that? Like really, what could the American citizens do right now to stop what's going on from the globalists in this country that would be better than praying to God to reveal it, expose it, and stop it? Like, what can we really do? Like, we can get worked up, and we can get frustrated, but really, I mean, we can write our congressman or woman We can go somewhere and let our voice be made known, which, again, hundreds of thousands of people did today in the United States. But it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And what we need God to do right now, again, I'm not praying for a result on the election. I'm just praying for truth and transparency. That's really what I'm praying for. And really, Republicans and Democrats both should be crying out for truth and transparency. Because... For any American citizen to not be able to trust in our elective process, we're doomed. So we really are praying for truth and transparency. Because I'm like, Lord, what do we do? Like, I feel like I don't even understand what's going on. You know, it's God's will when you pray for truth and transparency. If he chooses to reveal it, great. If he doesn't, he's got a bigger plan. And I've said things like, well, I wonder if all that's gone on in this country wrong for all these years has really actually come down on this generation. I mean, have you thought that? I've thought that. All the evils, all the injustices on Native Americans, blacks, Asians, whites, humanity, the unborn. The year I was born, they took prayer out of public school, 61. Then the year I'm in junior high, they introduced abortion and teach it in the junior high, at Valley Junior High in 1974-75. We just watched all this happen in my timeline. If you're a baby boomer, you're close to my age, you just feel like, wow, what a time to be born when everything God has removed from all the public sector and influence of society. But the real issue isn't that the communists have been paying billions of dollars secretly to our universities for 20 years. The real issue is what has the church been doing at the same time? Have they been believing the gospel? Have they been preaching the blood? Why weren't we out in the streets defending innocent blood? I don't know. But maybe this is... Abraham Lincoln, in the Gettysburg Address, and it's there at the Lincoln Monument, if you've ever been there, 
one of the shortest speeches ever in U.S. government history, and one of the most profound speeches at the Gettysburg Address, where tens of thousands of Americans were killed, and the, the Union was preserved, because day two was the most critical day. Three days of Gettysburg. Day two is the most important day, because that's when the 20th Maine held the left flank at Little, Rock, Little, Little Round Top. If they had fallen that flank, the Confederates would have won, and they would have rolled D.C. We'd have two nations. But when Lincoln came there shortly after all that, he just said, woe when judgments come, and judgments must come, but woe to whom those they come. You can Google the Gettysburg Address. It's, it's, it's an easy read. It's very short. And I've thought outside, like, wow, is Lord just, is this, is this it? Then I think, well, is this the end game? I mean, it's obviously, you know, the Bible makes it very clear. There's a global government that comes to power. It's all powerful. No one can resist it. And it's, in the end game, the Scythians are there. That's the Russians. The Persians are there. That's Iran. And the Israelites are there. That's Israel. But there's no mention of us. You've all heard that from Chuck Misser for the last 30 years, and he's in eternity. So maybe it's the end game. Maybe this is the end game. Maybe this is the whole thing that the globalization, open borders, no accountability, redistribution of all wealth, total dependency upon a nanny state, global government, a vaccine that everyone has to take or they can't shop or buy or go to school. Maybe this is that end game. I mean, obviously, it looks like that end game, but I can't say it is. What do I know? I don't even, I don't even know what code color we're going to be in two weeks from now. Right? And what do you know? The things that reveal belong to us and to our children. The secret things belong to the Lord. But we can look at his word, and that's the end game. A global government with an antichrist that emerges from that global government with all power of the devil for lying signs and wonders. Pastor Chuck used to say, he's never looking for the Antichrist. He's looking for Christ. Because when Christ comes, the trumpet sounds. We're looking for Jesus coming for his bride, the church. But maybe it is the end game. The Lord's hand is not short for the end game. When the trumpet sounds, it sounds and Jesus is coming. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he's coming. And those who have died in Christ will rise first and we who are alive will be caught up together to be with the Lord there and thus will always be with the Lord. Is his arm shortened? My brother-in-law used to mock the idea of Christians being caught up in heaven. He used to provoke his sister, Jennifer, and mock her. Well, he's got the same hope now. You just never know who's going to get saved in a difficult time. He got saved through his mother's death, watching his mom die of cancer. Is the Lord's hand too short for the rapture to call up the church? Now, I know there's plenty of people in Christendom that don't believe that Christ is coming for his church with the rapture, but we can certainly agree he's coming a second time, and we can certainly agree he's going to rule and reign on this planet. So whether we go up or he comes down, either way, we're told we're going to be in glory and we're going to reign with him. Is his arm too short to call us up to the wedding feast? Is his arm too short to bring about his glorious plans for his church? Of course not. Is his arm too short to bring about the judgments he declares in the book of Revelation against the last generation of humanity who's under his wrath? Of course not. Tonight when you leave here, I want you to be at total peace with the Lord and know that his arm is not too short for this nation, for this planet, COVID-19, your personal life, and whatever we're facing. His hand is never too short. Our God is able to do above and beyond all that we could think or ask according to his riches and glory in his glorious church, the church of Jesus Christ. And nothing has changed. 
because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all the promises are yes and amen in him. And while things might create anxiety and tempt us toward anxiety and uncertainty, we need to be like Paul the Apostle when he was, when it was prophesied to him that difficult days were ahead of him in going to Jerusalem there in Acts 20, speaking to the Ephesian elders, he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me that I can finish the race that God has set before me. And we should not be moved. We should not be moved by evil people and injustices. We should be motivated to speak up because we're called to defend the defenseless. The Bible makes that very clear. But if God doesn't deliver us, how are we going to deliver ourselves? Either, either the Lord delivers us or there is no deliverance. It makes it kind of easy, really. You don't have to wake up tomorrow morning and come with a great plan how to overthrow the new world order. You can get up in the middle of the night and not fall back asleep and say, Lord Jesus, truth and transparency. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's been working for me for like 10 days. It works. I mean, I'm up all night. I can't sleep. I'm just pulling up on YouTube the Bible verses with the soft wave music. They can play for like eight to ten hours. The dogs are snoring. We're all happy. Ten hours, eight hours of scripture, awake, half asleep, half awake. It's just Bible verses. I feel like, wow, all these verses are coming back to me. We need to build up our inner woman, our inner man, and our most holy faith right now. The battle belongs to the Lord. He is able. Has the Lord's arm been shortened? No. He's on the throne, and he's doing something bigger than all of us. He said through Habakkuk, I'll do a work in your day. We were declared to you. You wouldn't understand it. It's so big. And I feel like that. Now, when God told Habakkuk, the Babylonians are coming. They're going to rout you guys, and there's going to be no uh, grapes in the vineyard. Like, that's not exactly what I was hoping for. But how does Habakkuk end his book? He says, you know what? I'm going to sing to the Lord, whether there's cattle in the stall or grapes on the vineyard. I'm going to sing praises to the Lord, not because I'm on top of the mountain, but because he's with me when I'm in the valley. Honestly, I'm like all of you here tonight. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And the Lord's arm is not short. No one's going to pull anything over him. And in eternity, every thought and intent of the heart will be revealed. Every injustice in the entire history of humanity. I was reading about, I'm reading a book on Catherine the Great. And of course, she was... 60 years after Peter the Great. So she's Russia, like 1740 to 1780 there. And amazing woman, incredible woman. She's actually German, but she married the grandson of Peter the Great. But she wanted to change the serfdom, the stature of serfs. There were millions of serfs. There were slaves. And I, I read this, this whole detail of the abuses, what these, what these slaves went through in Russia for centuries. It goes back to Ivan the Terrible, like the 1500s, the 1600s, Peter the Great, and no one could take on serfdom. And interestingly enough, one of the main, she put together a council of people, and one of them said, if we don't resolve this, it's going to come back to bite us. And it did with the Bolshevik Revolution. Because the Bolshevik Revolution, the overthrow of the czars, 200 years later, was based upon equality and fairness for everybody, which they didn't get. But the serf who had nothing to lose, of course, are going to join the situation to redistribute wealth when people have abused that wealth. I'm reading this last night. This is from 1750s where they're telling Catherine, if we don't fix this now, it's going to come back to pay. And the USSR was birthed 200 years later because they never fixed the injustices of what they did when they separated children from their parents, when they raped young people and took them and did horrible things to them by the millions throughout Russia. There's nothing new under the sun. What America did, Russia did pretty much what everybody does because people conquer people and rule over them. 
But maybe it's all come on us. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we'll all wake up. It'll be a sunny day in January. We'll be like, wow, what was that all about? Maybe not, though. But whatever we face in the future, you face in the future, wherever it takes us all in this uncertain path, probably forced vaccines in 2021. The Lord's on the throne. The arm of the Lord's not short, and we can trust him. And the Christ is not divided. He'll guide us with all things to know his heart as well. But then he says, now you shall see what, what I say, whether it will happen or not. See, God always has the final say. Now you'll see. So, hey, Moses, I'm going to feed a million people meat. And Moses is like, he's taking a head count of the cattle and the sheep. It's like, I, the math, it's funny math. It's not matching up. And divine math is bigger than human math. It's like the feeding of the 5,000, right? You've got the loaves, the fish, and the first time Jesus fed the 5,000, what do you have? You have 12 baskets full, one for each apostle. They still didn't get it. God's math is he can do the supernatural anytime he wants to. When Jesus came on earth, he showed his authority over every realm, the demonic realm, the defiled realm, the physical realm, the realm of the, de- the grave. That's one of the things about Jesus, I am that I am. And he, he showed he has authority over everything. And he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. If it's a coin in the mouth of a fish for Peter or feeding 5,000 with 12 baskets left over for each apostle to teach him a lesson about life, then that's what he's going to do. But he's going to do what he's going to do. If all the armies of the world were guarding that tomb on the third day in Jerusalem, and those angels are still going to be there, and Jesus is still going to appear as the gardener to Mary and say, hey, why are you crying? They couldn't keep him in the grave. Humanity couldn't keep Jesus in the grave, and humanity can't keep Jesus from coming from the right hand of the Father to split the Mount of Olives and establish his kingdom. Stand back and see now what I'm going to do. You'll see. And in due time... When this generation's done, if the Lord tarries and our great-great-grandkids are teenagers in the 2100s or whatever, at some point, this human experience as we know it will be over, and this timeline will be over. And the trumpet will sound for that last generation of the church. And Jesus will come and he'll do every single thing he said he's going to do. The lion will lay down with the lamb, and the child will play with the cobra in the millennial kingdom. The horses will have bells and pomegranates on their side and they'll have the thing that says holiness to the Lord and water will flow from Jerusalem from 3,500 feet down to the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea will be alive with flourishing with lots of fish. They can't keep a ship in the Dead Sea right now. The salt is so bad it destroys everything. Everything will come to pass. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but not one promise of mine, one word will fail. Every jot and every tittle, every dot and of the I and the crossing of the T. Now you will see. So who knows what we'll see? But I'll tell you this. When you breathe your last, we'll see that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We'll see that Jesus is the good shepherd. We'll see that he's coming for us. We'll see what Stephen saw in Acts chapter 7 and 8. I see the Lord standing at the right hand of the Father. We'll see that. We'll see on your most intense moment of your human experience when you're passing from this dimension to the next next dimension. We'll see. Because we're persuaded he's able to keep that which we've committed to him until that day. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see all those promises come to pass. We'll be in glory. I've had two dreams in my lifetime of heaven that I'm sure are from the Lord. And they're both incredible. Both times I woke up like, oh man, I'm still here. Truthfully, we'll see. 
We'll see what the Old Testament prophet said, I has not seen nor ear heard those things that God's prepared for those who love him. The New Testament quotes the same passage and says, we somewhat understand, but we still don't understand. Because even when Paul saw the full glory, heard the glory of the third heaven, he said, I can't even describe it. So as we are in this time right now, is the arm of the Lord short? And the answer is no. We need to know that everything's going to come to pass that he's promised. So even with the end game, it's going to happen. And when you think about in this text, in Numbers, what came to pass, he said he put his spirit on 70 people that he put on Moses. And what did he do? He put his spirit on 70 people, regardless of whether they're in the camp or outside the camp. And he said that he would judge those who murmured against him, who were carnal and were the fringe and the mixed multitude. He said he would judge them. And they came under his wrath. And what did he do? He judged them. So as we think about where we stand in the kingdom of God, there couldn't be too big a contrast in this chapter. Think about this. There are people called by God with the spirit of God poured out on them to do what they're called to do for the Lord. And there are people choking and gagging on meat under the wrath of God in this chapter. One group is supernaturally empowered to do what God's called them to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. The other group is gagging on their carnality and their lust. So it's really easy what, where we want to be in this chapter. I want to be with the 70 people. We want to be under that power of the Holy Spirit. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and he quotes the book of Joel, he says this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, your old men will dream dreams, and your young women, your young men will prophesy, they'll do all these things, and then will come the great and notable day of the Lord. The sun will be darkened, and it's the day of the Lord. Now, that passage is partially fulfilled in the church age because we, we do have supernatural dreams. We do prophesy. The Holy Spirit is given to all believers through faith in Jesus Christ. But there's a part of that passage that clearly has not happened. That's the very end game. And we are in this age where we can be spirit-filled. We can be full of the Spirit. We can be baptized in the Spirit. We can have the mind of the Spirit. That's our objective. Our objective is the 70 people. Now you'll see if my hand is short. Is his hand short to pour out his Spirit on you and I? Is his hand short to limit the Holy Spirit in our life if we're willing to seek him? Like, is his hand short to withhold every good gift from us? He says our earthly fathers will give, not going to give a rock or a scorpion to their kids when they ask for an egg or something. Is his hand short that he doesn't promise? Jesus said, seek, knock, and ask. And how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who cry out to him? Is his hand short? Now you'll see. What we can do is cast our fears and cares upon the Lord, and we can cry out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can be the 70 We can be on the side of the promises with all the blessings to be spirit-filled people for such a time as this when men's hearts are failing them. God says, if my word's going to come to pass, you'll see whether what I say will happen. So let's see what happens. Let's be the spirit-filled people. Let's be the people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's be people that have no restraint on how much we can love our enemies and how much we can yield to the Lord and be part of the solutions for humanity and bring healing where there's strife, and bitterness and hurt. When you see in the Old Testament where times are dark morally, that's when the prophets shine brightest spiritually. Elijah and Elisha are great examples. There's so much we don't understand what the Lord is doing and why in any generation, in our lives personally, at any time, and particularly now, this church, our lives here. But we do know 
Now you'll see whether what I say. And there's heroes in this chapter. It's the 70 men that are prophesying. They're speaking the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's upon them. When we read the Old Testament, we want to move toward what we want to be a part of. (laughs) This is what I want to be a part of. These things are written for our admonition. We want to be spirit-filled people at this time. We don't want to doubt that the Lord's, we don't want to think the Lord's arm is short. And let God be God and let us be us. And our part in life is to be spirit-filled and yielded to the Lord. And then the other part, which is the wrath, of it says it's the wrath of the Lord. Verse 33, the wrath of the Lord. God says to Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But I take pleasure when people stand in the gap. And I look for someone to stand in the gap, and I found no one to stand in the gap. So as I just come to the conclusion, there is nothing I can do to stop what's going on out there right now, personally. With all my wit and planning and cunning and craftiness. And I've got some sometimes. And Pastor Chuck, remember I told you when he shared in a study 40 years ago that he, he lays in bed and figures out how he can make everything right that's wrong and plots stuff. I'm like, wow, Pastor Chuck. And we all do that. So we go over our mind like, well, we could do this, we could do that. Like In the end, we can't do anything. <laughs> what are we going to do? It's like when Nebuchadnezzar comes, like, what are you going to do? You know, like, or Sennacherib. It's like if God, the angel of the Lord doesn't come and set things straight, it's, what can you do? But we can, what separates us from any other organization in the world is that we're called to love our enemies. So it's not about like maintaining something or improving something, which of course we want to have happen because freedom is better than not because God gives us freedom. So don't misunderstand me. But if there's nothing on the vine, there's no horses in the stall or cattle in the stall or no money in the bank, are you still going to praise the Lord? We're going to find out maybe. We'll find out what we're made of. Aren't we finding out this year what we're made of? in the cruxable of the fire of COVID-19 and all this stuff, we're finding out. And when you see what you don't like, recognize it, confess it, and become something better what God wants you to be and be part of the solution. It's hard to watch this, but in the end, this is not our home. And all this week, the Lord remind me, your home is in heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. You are an ambassador of Christ. You're a citizen of heaven. You're an ambassador of Christ. Same week as Veterans Day, right? Two in the Marine Corps birthday. You're a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of Christ. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Just keep investing in the kingdom. I want to say, I feel like the Lord's been telling me, finish strong. Like, finish strong, whatever that means. Finish strong could be another 20 years. It could be two days. It could be two hours. I don't know. But I, I want to get it right. Let's just, let's just end with this thought. Don't we want to get this right? We don't want to move toward eternity not believing that God can do what he wants to do, consistent with his character at any time to fix injustices, Right? Like, you don't want to have a small God on your last day. That's what I'm saying, right? Big God, little problems. We don't ever want to lose faith that God's in control and he can't do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And he's not going to change his moral character. Just because evil would seem to be prevailing at different times, it doesn't mean God is, is, that's his character. Because the beauty of grace is that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that he can let something work a certain way, but then it has an ending a certain way. So Manasseh does all these things to bring judgment on Judah, but then Manasseh ends up getting right with God in the end. And when Manasseh was evil, all he did was fulfill what God said he was going to do if the people did that. Like, how unsearchable are his ways? It actually says in Romans, you know, how, how unsearchable are his ways in past finding out? It's beyond us. Again, Habakkuk, I'll do a work in a day, though I declare to you, you wouldn't even comprehend it. And as the things we reveal belong to us and to our children, but the secret things belong to the Lord. So let's just exhale. Let God be God. 
let's, let's trust and know that he can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. He's still on the throne. He's the final authority. But let's look at him fulfilling his word and let's be part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and not the wrath. Because as sure as the Spirit's going to be poured out in the last days, so is the wrath. And I don't want to experience his wrath because, of course, Christ experienced it for us. So in that sense, it's already been paid for. God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus bore that wrath. But what do they say in Revelation chapter 6 when it all starts to go down? The wrath of the Lamb has come and who's able to stand? Your worst enemy, you do not want them under the wrath of God. Let me say that again in a closing thought. Whoever you think you might hate or you think justice should be prevailed upon, however evil they might be, you do not want a child of God, a man or woman made in the image of God under the wrath of God. Because God doesn't want them under his wrath. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So we lose our rights. We surrender our rights. We trust in God. We pray. We stand in the gap. And we hope to see people saved before the trumpet sounds. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.